Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Bullshit. Hey folks, so it's Cameron and uh, this is episode 2.2 of the Bullshit Filter series on gun control around the world and in this episode we're picking up where we finished off at the end of the last episode talking about Australia's NFA, National Firearms Agreement, that came into place in 1996. Now the NFA placed really tight controls on semi-automatic and fully automatic weapons, which we already had to a degree in most other states, but they made it even tougher. Basically required that anyone who wanted one of these guns needed to have a purpose for them, a purpose other than personal protection. And quite frankly, no one has a purpose for semi-automatic or fully automatic weapons unless you're in the fucking army. So um, it it basically uh, made it almost impossible to get a license for one of those. Now, the NFA also created a National Firearm Registry, a 28-day waiting period for firearm sales, and anyone who wanted to possess or use a firearm had to be over the age of 12. Owners had to be at least 18. They had to provide secure storage for their firearms and also provide a genuine reason for having any kind of firearm. Now, of course, there are legitimate reasons for having firearms. Farmers need fire firearms. Uh, uh, sporting shooters need firearms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't think of anything else. Maybe security guards outside of the police and the army. But, right. you know, very few people, I would argue, have a genuine reason outside of personal protection. And we'll explore how uh whether or not personal protection actually is a is a reasonable argument when we get to the american section of this i guess i was surprised by the um relative if i can use that word uh success of the buyback program that this law also brought about i could not imagine uh that many people uh turning over their guns yeah well uh, so in 1996, there was this gun buyback scheme uh, because there was private property. The government can't just take private property. It offered a price. It said, we'll buy back your guns from you. And it ran for about a year. Now, it was mandatory for illegal firearms, like like semi-automatics and and automatics, but not for legal guns. Right, the stuff that was banned. Right, right. Let's say 60,000 people turned over their non-prohibitive firearms. Uh, Again, it was almost like, okay, I get what you're doing here. Even though it's it's still within the law, I don't want it anymore, or maybe they wanted the money, I don't know. But 60,000 people turning over guns that they did not have to is still an impressive achievement. Yeah. Like, my grandfather uh, had a rifle, in his garage. I used to go and play with it as a young fella. Uh, so, yeah, that was safe. It was just lying around <laughs> in his yeah. garage. I remember boxes of bullets, and I'd just be like, oh, what's this? Yeah. Spent a lot of time with my grandparents just playing with his gun. Um, oh, 
Now, yeah, he handed it in, and because uh, he didn't, he hadn't used it. He'd had it sitting there since the forties, you know. Uh, right. When he, when he thought, I don't know, the Indonesians were going to invade or something, um, he had it sitting there. <laughs> now, the government bought back and destroyed around about six hundred and fifty thousand guns in that year. Right. Uh, and as you say, a lot of people handed over their, their legal guns anyway because they didn't need them and he was an opportunity to get some cash for them. And also, there really was uh, a, a genuine national sentiment after Port Arthur that, yeah, fuck, mm. let's get rid of guns. This is fucked. Like, as, at, right. like the entire nation pretty much went, yeah, yeah, this is fucked. Now, like uh, Jim Jeffries, uh, when he does his routines on this, uh, he's, the government said... We reckon you should give us our gu- give us all your guns, and the Australian people went, "Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair, fair, fair call. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair, fair cop, Gov. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, so so what? So they handed in guns. Now that wasn't all of the guns. There are still estimates right. that there are still hundreds of thousands of guns in the country, but a large, large percentage of the guns was sold to the government. Now, today, we still have about 13.7 guns per 100 people. Still sounds like a fucking lot to me. But yeah. most of those, I believe, are in the hands of farmers and sporting shooters and people like that, which we still have. I was on a farm, as you know, a few months ago up in uh, central Queensland visiting my mate Dion in his uh, sheep farm, and uh, yeah, he had he had half a dozen. He had most of those guns. He he <laughs> he had most of the guns still in Australia on his farm, and he took me out shooting clay pigeons. Wanted me to shoot some kangaroos, I refused, and he basically called me a yeah. fucking pussy. Um, uh, anyway, so yeah, but thirteen point seven compared to eighty eight guns per hundred people in the United States. Yeah, I, I've got a couple of uh, trends as far as, you know, what happened after 1996 when it comes to um, shootings in Australia. Let's see, between 1991 and 2001, the number of firearm-related deaths in Australia declined by 47%. In 2014, 35 people were victims of firearms homicide compared to 98 people in 1996. And uh, generally, between... Um, 2008 and 2013 just under 300 people are killed in Australia each year so it's been it's been a lot lower than what it was and you could say that uh, this is because of the guns you could say that people are uh, trying to live more you know within the means of the law or whatever maybe um, if they're doing well you know if they have a job and they can take care of their family and they don't have any problems they can go about their lives but again uh, the trends have as far as violence or death by guns has dropped um, noticeably since 1996 so so there's an argument to be made that other countries should probably give this a try well maybe but i i actually don't think it's that straightforward but Mm -hmm. let's look at some of the other data so most um famously Fingers crossed. We haven't had another mass shooting since 1996. Not one. There hasn't Mm. been a single mass shooting in Australia in 21 years. So there were 13 in the 18 years before 96, up until and including 1996. We haven't had a single one in 21 years. Now, of course, in countries like America, 
The, the death toll from mass shootings is a very small percentage of your overall gun-related homicides or your overall homicide rate. But again, it gets back to the impact on national psyche, I think. Mass shootings just aren't a thing in Australia. They don't happen. Haven't happened in 21 years. There are, there are like my, my oldest kids who are 17, there's never been a mass shooting in their lifetime in Australia. And for them, and they look at America and they're, they're like, what the fuck is wrong with this place? Like, seriously, they their view on America is that it's, it's an insane fucking Arkham Asylum place with the Joker <laughs> in control. I mean, it, I, I, I don't think Americans really, many Americans um, really realise how insane your country looks to people in, let's say, Australia. I mean, again, don't hate America or Americans. Um, I have much love for, for many Americans, friends and family and, and our listeners over there and, and a lot of the artists and the creators and the culture and the things that have been produced in America. And, and I have a great admiration for the American vision and the American experiment in general. That said... There are things that can and should be criticised, and and in one and one of those is this uh, gun issue on, and particularly with relates to the, the relationship to the mass shootings and the number of gun homicides you have. It, it it looks absolutely insane from the outside. But back to Australia. So um, as you said, firearm related deaths have, have declined massively. Non gun homicide rates also fell by 59%. So over this last 20-year period, you, you quoted 10 years there between 91 and 2001, the gun-related deaths declined 47%. In the, in the whole period, they've fallen by 59%. Um, but that's both gun homicides and, homo- and non-gun homicides. So that's an interesting that's figure. Impressive. You would... Well, yes, but it's also... Interesting because you would think that gun homo- once you take a lot of guns out of society, the gun homicide rate would decline significantly when compared with non-gun homicides. People still want to kill each other. They still have the means to do that. Knives, uh, cricket bats. Uh, brick. Uh, yeah. Brick. Uh, uh, making them listen to your World War II podcast uh, nonstop for 24 that, hours. That's, that's torture, not death. It's a, it's a subtle difference. Uh, but the two rates have declined almost in parallel. Which... Wait, that, that surprises me. Why do you think that is? Because I was going to, I assumed you were going to say when the gun deaths declined because there's fewer guns, the non gun deaths rose because people were finding other ways to kill people. Yeah, and that's kind of... When, when you hear the NRA propaganda out of the, the US, uh, mm-hmm. and I've read a lot of it uh, over the last week, um, that's how it often gets positioned. Oh, well, when they took guns out of Australia, homicide rates went up, stabbing and knifing rates went up. Right. And there, there was um, a, a spike for a couple of years of homicide rates here, but then they came down. And, but, the, but the interesting thing is it's not just gun homicides. All homicides have been coming down, and this is true across the 
other countries that I mentioned, the UK, Canada, and the United States. So mm-hmm. maybe it had nothing to do with taking guns. The number of homicides would have come down and were already coming down anyway by 1996. And and maybe, and, the, and here's the interesting thing, there's a lot of studies been done on this over the last 20 years, and they're fairly evenly split. Half the studies say, yes, the National Firearms Agreement had a dramatic impact on the reduction of gun-related violence in Australia. The other half of the studies say, nah, nah, didn't really affect it at all. It was coming down anyway, has continued to come down. The trend line didn't dip all of a sudden. So really, it had no impact. I'll argue that it had an impact, but maybe not the one that you would think. But before we get onto that, guns, one, one area where it did have an impact is gun suicide rates. Now, gun suicide rates have fallen by 65% in that period. And all of the studies do seem to support the idea that while suicide rates were going down as well already, that they went down uh, a lot more dramatically when you took guns out of the equation. Now, as Mm -hmm. I understand it, the, the thinking behind that is that if somebody's feeling suicidal for whatever reason, um and they're gonna they, they they have this sudden impulse to kill themselves it might be as a result of depression it might be the result of your girlfriend dumping you or your husband leaving you or you're losing your job or you lose money at the horses or you know whatever reason millions of reasons right um if you have a gun you have a much higher chance of being successful in the act of mm-hmm. committing suicide than if you od or you cut your wrists, or you or you try and hang yourself, or you try and gas yourself. There's a much higher chance of with all those other things that you won't that you won't succeed. You'll be discovered right. in time, cut down, taken out of the car, stomach pumped, uh, etc. I know right. people in, in my yeah. you know yeah I know people in my life that have tried to commit suicide and failed because their stomach was pumped or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, if you put a, put a gun in your mouth and pull the trigger, you can fail, but it's, it's you've got to be a complete fucking loser, really. I mean, you, right. you, you, you should commit suicide. If you, try, if you try and kill yourself with a gun and you fail, yeah, you should you commit should suicide after that because you're a complete, mm-hmm. fucking, complete fucking loser, we, right? We, we don't really mean that. <laughs> No, let's, we don't. Let's be clear. We no. don't really mean that. Um, so, taking guns out of society uh, helps the suicide rate. Now, you might think, well, fuck those people. They want to kill themselves. Fuck them. It's a mortal sin. God doesn't love them anyway. Well, first of all, fuck you. Secondly, um, the data shows that most people who try and commit suicide and fail later regret. Uh, the attempt, not regret that they failed, right. regret their attempt. Right. And they're like, oh, sh- I can't believe I did that. That was such that a sense. stupid thing. I was in a bad place. Um, uh, you know, they, they, they go, they get help. They get psychiatric help. They get put on some sort of medication. Maybe they get therapy mm-hmm. of some sort. They resolve their issue. People say, listen, she, that girlfriend was a hoe anyways. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Look, don't worry about it. You know that's just Kevin Spacey. He just does that kind of right. thing. It's him. This it's it's on him. It's, it's not. It's not you. It's not it's you. Him. Yeah. Um, so uh, 
so yeah, if you take guns out, it, it gets people through that. Now, just to wrap up some of the Australian stuff, because uh, I know we're over an hour now. Um, here we are 20 odd years later. It, again, it might be surprising to Americans to know that none of our major political parties in this country have any issue with the National Firearms Agreement and our legislation on guns. It's not like we've got one party that's all like, yeah, take the guns away, and the other party's like, mm-hmm. bring back the guns. No. It's it's just it's not a fucking political issue in this country. There are some minor fringe crazy far right parties, the hunting hunting and shooters party and one nation red led by Pauline Hansen, who's a you know famous crazy fucking redneck racist uh <clears throat> crazy bitch. But right. uh, they're, they're, they're minor parties. I mean they get a bit of a vote in the regional and rural areas, but they're tiny, very tiny. They get like one seat in Parliament if they're lucky. Um the, the our major parties uh, it's just not an issue. Hasn't been an issue for right. 21 years, continues not to be an issue because generally, by and large, most Australians still are like, fucking, uh, I'm so glad we got rid of the guns. Fuck me. That was yeah. that was one of the best things we ever did. Imagine if we hadn't got rid of the guns, we'd be like America today. That's such a good thing. Now, at the time, there was a, a poll taken by The Age, a major Melbourne newspaper, uh, found that, of the people they surveyed supported a national ban on automatic and semi-automatic firearms. Today, Mm -hmm. 20-odd years later, there was a poll done by a research company uh, in 2015 that found that 40% of the people they surveyed thought the gun laws were about right, and another Mm -hmm. 45% believed they were not strong enough Wow. 6% thought they were too strong. 10% said they didn't know. Right. So here we are 20 years later, and at least and almost half of Australians are like, not not strong enough. Let's make it stronger. Right. But here's I the interesting thing okay. is yeah. these, these uh, uh, responses they got from the survey were fairly equally spread across the voting spectrum. You might think, well, the people on the left are the 45% that said they're not strong enough. Not the case. It's fairly equally spread uh, mm-hmm. between people who are conservative voters and people that are progressive voters. Uh, so it, it's not it's not this sort of left versus right issue. In Australia, the vast majority of people in this country uh, nine, you know, well, here we go. Eighty-five percent, um, at least according to this survey, are like, "Yeah, fuck guns, man. We don't, we don't want them. Right. We don't need them. Life is so much better without them." And uh, it, it's not a political issue. It's not a partisan issue. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think that might surprise a lot of um, Americans if they knew that. Now, I, I know. Yeah, yeah go no, ahead. no, you go. I um, I know we're going to get into this later, but again, when you were talking about um, that, maybe the the act in 1996 taking more guns out out of out of the country did not directly cause there to be fewer uh, shootings or whatever. But you just have to imagine that if if your country could come together enough to realize that something had to change 
maybe just the shock of the shooting or maybe just the uh, the uh, coming together to pass that kind of legislation or just general support maybe caused people to think differently or to or to not give in to crazy moments or whatever, which just begs the question for for me and for um, probably everybody. Every time there's a shooting in America, especially one of the larger ones, I'm like, how is this not the moment where we come together? And I know we're going to be discussing that later, but you just really get tired of asking that question several times a year. Well, of course, I I would say that the major difference between Australia and 1996 in the United States every month when you have a mass shooting is we didn't have the NRA or the equivalent of the NRA. Uh, Of course, we, we didn't have a Second Amendment either. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll explore both of those and more when we get to the American uh, episode. All right. um, just some other data points on Australia. Uh, just a few months ago, we had another gun amnesty because firearm um, ownership rates have actually been going back up in the last mm-hmm. 10 years. Uh, including a lot of illegal firearms that are smuggled into the country. Uh, you know, I I know when I have discussions with Americans about Australia's experience versus America, one of the things I often hear, and we'll, again, we'll touch on this when we get to the American episode, is, yes, but you, you don't have any borders. We've got borders. They come over borders. Yeah, yeah we do have borders. It's called a fucking shoreline, and uh, there's a big fucking ocean. And we do have guns come in, uh, like we have drugs come in. They, they get smuggled in in various ways. Um, in fact, just recently, in the last couple of weeks, there was a, a gun shipment intercepted by our federal police. 5,000 guns were being wow. smuggled in that the, they picked up. So uh, we had another amnesty a few months ago. Now, this wasn't a buyback. It was an amnesty. It's like you can hand in your guns, legal or illegal, and there'll be no questions asked. Another, nice. another 26,000 firearms were surrendered in that three-month amnesty that just finished a couple of weeks ago. That that takes a certain amount of political courage to go, even if you bring me a gun that's suspect or you don't have a license, which I know you have to have over there. I mean, that's a practical, real-world solution, and I just can't see Americans, American politicians doing something that practical. Well, maybe some of them would, if given the opportunity. Um, I yeah. should also point out that our current government is also a conservative government. It's the same parties in power that uh, were represented in 1996. John Howard's no longer with him, but uh, our current Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, was in Howard's, uh, one of the ministers in Howard's government. Um, so, yeah. Now, the question, though, is, as I touched on before, did all of this really have an effect on Australia's crime rate or murder rate? Now, you will often hear again in NRA-type material out of the US that when we when you take guns out of a society, the crime rate will go up or the murder rate will go up. And they'll just use different or, weapons. Right. Or only the bad guys will have guns. Only the bad guys will have guns. Right. Yeah. Now, um, our national homicide rate has actually decreased uh, from 1.8 per 100,000 people in 1989 to... One per 100,000 people in 2013. Mm. Now, the trend is supported by our uh, Australian Bureau of Statistics data that shows that the use of firearms in homicides uh, are at historical 
historically low levels. So not just homicides have decreased, but gun homicides, um, the lowest they've ever been in recorded history in this country. Compare that to UN data that indicates about 40% of global homicides are caused by firearms. But as I've said, the homicide rate in the US has also been falling during the last 20 years. And I'll touch on some of the reasons in a minute for why that might be. Now, back to the ABS, Australian Bureau of Statistics, uh, they show that the rate of suicide by firearm fell by 67% from 2.1 deaths per 100,000 in 1996 to 0.7 deaths in 2004. Um, Again, mostly farmers that are killing themselves with guns. Um, I think I'm not sure if that's because of how tough it is to make a living on the land or with droughts or floods or, or, you know, bad crops, or if it's because they tend to listen to country music. I I tend to think it's probably the latter if I had to put money on it. If I listen to country music, I'd probably want to kill myself as well. But um, that's maybe a topic for another show. Now... As I said, there are studies that show that both the homicide rates and the suicide rates were already falling before the NFA was put into place. In terms of suicide, there are other factors that have um, helped reduce the suicide rate. There are things like helplines, mental health programs, Mm. uh, uh, increased use of medication by uh, doctors and psychiatrists to, to help people that have suffering from mental health issues, etc. And as I said before, people who attempt suicide and fail usually regret it later, and it's a lot harder to fail if you have a gun uh, in your mouth. But in terms of homicides, the research is actually inconclusive. Some studies say that it had an impact. Some studies say it didn't. And it's, it's, it's really hard for me to comprehensively say either way that uh, it had an impact. But, as I said, what we don't have to deal with this in this... in uh, Fuck, let me start that again. What we don't have to deal with in this country is the daily occurrence of a mass shooting somewhere in the country and asking ourselves what could we have done to prevent it when kids in a school or dancers at a nightclub or people enjoying country music, if in fact, enjoying country music as possible in the first place. If, you know, ask yourselves, how could that happen? Why did we let that happen? All of the arguments and debates that go on, that just doesn't happen in Australia. The mass shootings of a smaller scale, the, the four or five people mass shootings that happen literally almost on a daily basis, nine out of every 10 days in America, mm-hmm. there is a mass shooting somewhere in, in the country. Um, or even just the genu- the general levels of gun violence, like my, my niece at the University of Utah, and the, the, the sociological impacts of that, the psychological, the emotional, the, the, the physical trauma, the PTSD that people yeah. go through in America on a daily basis, that does not exist here. We have our own problems. Don't get me wrong. We are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Australia has a lot of problems, but that is not one of them. And... I guarantee you, if find an American who's lived in Australia for five years and ask them, where do you feel safer? Or where do you find happier, more peaceful? 
I guarantee you most of them will say Australia fucking hands down. Chrissy's been here eight years. Like she just, you know, shakes her head now. I remember when she first moved here and we would talk about these things. Now, she's anti-gun. She's sort of pro-gun control, always was, was living in Seattle before she came here, fairly uh, progressive uh, town. Mm-hmm. And she was anti-guns. And uh, even though she grew up in Utah, where there's a lot of lot of lot of guns, and uh, you know, there's a lot of people had guns and farms and all that kind of stuff, go hunting, a lot of hunting in Utah, right? Because um, uh, you know, Jesus told more Joseph Smith uh, when he was uh, setting up the Mormon Church, go and shoot shit, go go kill the animals. That's how you do it, my son. Um, pew, pew. But uh, we, 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 when she first came here, she was anti guns, but she was like, yeah, it's not that bad in America. Like, yeah, I, I never really saw it, never really impacted me. You know, you guys are, you guys are kind of uh, just too emotional about it. Really, most Americans, they never see it, they never hear it, doesn't, doesn't impact on a daily life. Now you ask her, she's like, fuck, they're, they're so <laughs> fucked over there. Like, yeah. Because what she what she understands is, and like a friend of mine, Chris Saad, who's just moved back to Brisbane, he was um, senior developer at Uber in San Francisco for the last few years. I think he lived in America for seven or eight years. He's just come back to Brisbane. And it's been interesting talking to him and seeing him posting on Facebook. He's going, I didn't realize until I got back here, I'd been here and decompressed for a couple of months, how much I'd been living with this daily anxiety and and just the the oppressive atmosphere of the media, the media coverage of these things, the omnipresent threat of potential violence, even if you don't see it on a daily basis around you, it is this omnipresent threat. And he he came back here and he was like, oh, fuck, I feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders coming back here, realizing that it's just not a thing here. People are just having a good time. And I don't think Americans really appreciate that. Now, it's probably... No coincidence, I would argue, that in the 2017 ranking of the world's most livable cities survey, Australia had three spots in the top 10. Wow. As did Canada. Yeah. And both countries were in the report that came out last year of the top 10 happiest countries in the world. And now the, the author of that report, Jeffrey Sachs, said happiness is a result of creating strong social foundations and that if other nations prioritize social trust and healthy lives, they could also find their citizens become more content. Now, that obviously has to do with a lot of things other than just guns, but mm-hmm. that is a big part of it, I would argue. Social trust, this genuine gen, genuine and general f- feeling of lower anxiety over fuck that guy in front of me who's walking towards me might have a gun or you know are my kids safe in school today or am I going to get killed if I go to a music festival or whatever yeah yeah America we haven't felt that relaxed I think in quite some time Now, um, in January US presidential candidate Ted Cruz um, still waiting on the JFK papers all finally yeah, being his, released so we can see if his father was involved in JFK's yeah, assassination. Yeah. His father did it. Yeah. 
Uh, he said in an interview that the rate of sexual assaults and rapes in Australia rose significantly after the gun buyback program because women were unable to defend themselves. What a fucking asshole. Sorry. Now, keep in mind that the buyback program had nothing to do with handguns or legal guns. It was about semi-automatics and fully automatics. Don't your women walk around with those? No, surprisingly not. Uh, our women were not walking around with AR-15s over their shoulder. Strapped, around, uh, strapped on their back. Like Rose McGowan in that uh, Tarantino film where she... It was Roberta Rodriguez film. Where she, had, where she, she had her leg taken off by a, yeah. a zombie and had to get the gun attached as a prosthetic. So she could do pole dancing with a machine gun. <laughs> Unfortunately, Harvey Weinstein wasn't in the audience. Uh, although, right. I read Robert, Roberta Rodriguez is completely off track, but Roberta Rodriguez finally came out with the story uh, last week. Have you, in the last week, have you seen this about all of that? No, no. So he said that uh, he met Rose at uh, some event, Hollywood function, in uh, 2005, I think, and um, and he had just made Sin City, and she said, "Oh, I fucking love that film. I love, I love film noir. I would have loved to have been in that." And he said, "Well, you should have auditioned." And she said, oh, "I can't, and I couldn't. I'm banned from auditioning for uh, Miramax films or Weinstein films, whatever it was at the time." And he said, "Fuck! What, what do you mean banned?" And she said, uh, well, you know, um, Harvey tried to fucking rape me and or did rape me. And I, um, you know, uh, got a lawyer involved. And part of the settlement was I'm not allowed to talk about it. And I'm also banned from auditioning for or being in, in Miramax films, even auditioning for them. Damn. And uh, he, he was like, that's fucked. And then at that minute, he saw Harvey walking through the room. He said, Harvey, come here. Called Harvey over. Harvey, come, and then he said Harvey walked up and he saw Rose and he just sort of uh, turned, turned gray. And yeah. um, Rodriguez said, great news. Uh, I'm writing a new film and it's going to be fucking awesome. And I'm casting Rose as the star. And Harvey went, Oh, that's great. She's a marvelous actress. She's fantastic. Sweating bullets and then walked away, according to Rodriguez. And she's like, what? How? How?" And he goes, well, he can't say no, because if he says no, I'm going to say, well, why not, Harvey? She's a great actress. You said yourself she's a great actress. Why not? He's not going to tell me the reason. Right. Um, So there you go. So then anyway, well, kind of. But then so they went and made the movie. This is part of when he and... uh, Tarantino did their Grindhouse uh, double feature. But what happened was they made the movie. It was great. They're they're, they're great movies. I love them. But then uh, Miramax or Weinstein Brothers, whatever it was, Weinstein Company, dumped it. Uh, They didn't promote it. They just just let the films fail. And so they, you know, it was the the only hiccup in Tarantino's career and uh, in Rodriguez's career. So they ended up, yeah, Harvey got the last laugh. He just tanked the films, didn't promote them, didn't market them. Yeah, he made it, but no one saw it. So, but he said he hasn't been able to talk about it because- He was willing to lose money. Yeah. Yeah, he was willing to lose money as payback. 
and, yeah. and and Rodriguez for putting her in the film. And Rodriguez was saying, you know, he, he hasn't been able to talk about it for 12 whatever years, even though he dated her for a few years afterwards um, because she had uh, signed this um, NDA mm-hmm. Uh, and so she shouldn't have told him. So if he told Harvey that he knew, then she'd get in trouble with the lawyers for telling him and the whole... So he's had to keep it under wraps all these years, and uh, so there you go. Anywho. Damn. Mm. Enough of that. That makes me want to buy a gun because I have four daughters. And and chop off one of their legs each and <laughs> attach the guns to their legs as a, on the stump. Great movie. Well, if let's you just start seen off it. with the hand. <laughs> let's just start off with the hand cabinet first. I can't remember what anyway. was. The, I can't remember the name of that uh, film. What was it? <laughs> da, 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 da. I'll tell you in a minute. Shooting with her leg gun. Planet yeah. Terror. Fucking. Oh god. Planet Terror. Yeah. Great. Badass name. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Great film. She was in Death Proof, Tarantino's film. Small role in that, but yeah. Planet Terror, 2007, part of the Grindhouse double feature. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Go see it. Stick it to Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking fucking great movie. Anywho, back to Australia. So, rapes. So, Ted Cruz said rapes and sexual assaults went up. So, again, first point is it was about semi-automatics. had nothing to do with handguns. So, that's just retarded argument. Secondly... Several statistics do show that sexual assaults did increase after 1996. But mm-hmm. according to Samara McFedrin, who's the senior research fellow at Griffith University here in uh, Brisbane, and she's also the chair of the International Coalition of Women in Shooting and Hunting, so pro-gun friendly, she said it has nothing to do with the buyback. What it does have to do with is that there's been a lot of work done in Australia in the last 20 years on awareness and media coverage about sexual assault and rape and making it safer for women to report it uh, uh, and to feel okay about reporting it. There's been a massive change. Now, it's nowhere near where it should be. We still have a massive sexual assault and rape problem in this country. No denying that, but I don't think it's a new thing. I think that's always been there. Australian men are basically fucking brutes and animals and uh, all need to be taken out the back and beaten with sticks. Um, We have one of the highest rates of reported sexual assault in the world, 92 people per 100,000, according to the UN, which is about double the global average. Wow. But, again, most of the research says that the increase in it after 1996, is about women reporting more of it to police mm-hmm. or to their doctor or whatever when, when they go in for a, a rape, rather than you know keeping it to themselves because they're embarrassed or they feel guilty for you know fucked up social reasons and that kind right. of stuff. So there's been a lot of so they they think that's what it's about. It's not about there is actually more rape. In fact. If you look at the data, uh, women self-reporting instances of sexual assault have gone down since 1996. Good. So the the amount of people going to the police has gone up, but the amount of women reporting that they've been assaulted has actually gone down, if you can make sense of that. 
So there's, yes. there may it may be the case that there's less happening, but more of the ones that happen are being reported to police. Australia, besides your humidity, sounds like the perfect place to live. Because I said we have a big problem with rape. Well, no, not that part. I'm a guy. I'll be okay. It's it'll be consensual. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> some of it is men being raped. Uh, don't worry about that. Oh. <laughs> okay, never mind. Scratch what I just said. No, look, Australia is not perfect, but particularly if you're an Indigenous Australian, um, they, they got a really right. bad deal. But for if you're white or off-white in Australia, uh, <clears throat> yeah, look, we got it good. And again, there's a lot of reasons for that. We have very low population density. Um, we have very high income per capita. Uh, we 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 got a lot of things. Some are luck. Some are hard work and engineering. Particularly by our briefly lived prime minister in the seventies, Gough Whitlam, who's only in power for three years before the CIA got rid of him, according to the conspiracy theory. Um, right. But uh, yeah, we 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 got some things I think right. But the point that I want to make, just wrapping up this episode, because this is we're running fucking late here. What 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 are we at? Hour and thirty. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ and General Johnson. Um, the number of victims of violent crime has been going down. National mm-hmm. crime statistics show that since the year 2000, the recorded rate of break er- breaking and entering has declined by 64%. Motor vehicle theft is down by 69%. Robbery is down by 63%. General stealing offences are down by 37%. So when you hear, if you hear the NRA say crime's gone up in Australia when they got rid of guns, it's, that's bullshit. When they say rape's gone up, that's probably bullshit. But again, violent crime in the US has also dropped in the last 20 years while your gun ownership numbers have skyrocketed. Now, some of the things that economic researchers think might have to do with the de- general decrease in crime around the Western world in the last 20 years Mm-hmm. They think it might have to do with some broader macroeconomic issues or, or sociological issues. Things like we have an aging population. Um, there, there might be about changing policing practices and strategies. The introduction of things like CompStat. Um, who, people who have watched The Wire will be familiar with how CompStat works. Uh, things like harder prison sentences. We have way more people in prison now, particularly in the US, than ever before. There's the rise of technology, shifts in unemployment, variations in alcohol consumption. Uh, And perhaps if you've read um, Freakonomics and books like that, they suggest that it might have to do with legalizing abortion in the early 70s. Mm. You familiar with that argument? No, please tell me. Well, the argument is that before it was legal and safe for women to get abortions, a lot of women were having children that they didn't want to have for personal reasons or for economic reasons or religious reasons or whatever. But they were kind of forced to have them unless they wanted to have a backyard coat hanger abortion, right? Right. Um, But after abortions were legalized, which in most of the developed world happened in the late 60s, early 70s. What happened is a lot of these kids, unwanted children, weren't born. 
Now, whatever you may think about pro-life and, and whatever, leave that aside for the moment. Um, it, so it, let's say you had an unwanted child born in 1960, born into harsh economic circumstances with a mother, didn't really want him, may not know his father, mm-hmm. may have been an unwanted pregnancy, maybe the father's not in the picture anymore, maybe it was a rape, who knows. Um, so by the time the kid is 20, it's 1980. Right. Uh, and and it happened, 1980 happens to be the peak uh, in terms of uh, homicide rates in the United States. All right. Um, so crime rates and, and homicide rates. Uh, now, if these women uh, or women like them are able to get legal and safe abortions in 1980, mm-hmm. by the time that kid is 20 in the year 2000, well, the kid isn't. The kid would have been 20 in the year 2000, but the kid isn't because the kid was never born. So then, right. um, so legalization of abortions, one theory is, may have led to a reduction in crime rate. There's just basically less unwanted children uh, who don't have a mother who loves them or a father who loves them in the picture or aren't born into drug, to drug addicts or to, to, to people in harsh economic situations. Who, whatever. Okay, but the other mm-hmm. one that I find even more interesting is the removal of lead from gasoline and paint. Now we've talked about lead in ancient Rome, right, and even in uh, ancient Greece, and and the impact that lead may have had to the decline of those civilizations. Lead in pipes in the uh, aqueducts in Rome, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We've talked about that on the Caesar show. Uh, well, there is uh, quite a large body of research that said the lead that we used to have in gasoline and in paint <coughs> had an impact on the brains of children, a significant impact in uh, learning difficulties and behavioral difficulties, kids growing up in the 60s and the 70s. And when we started to remove that through legislative means uh, in the 70s and 80s, that that has uh, prevented a lot of uh, people growing up from having congenital uh, problems with their brains and and therefore leading to criminal or aberrant behaviour. Right. Huh. So anyway... That's all I have on Australia. The, the, in a nutshell, may not have had a big impact on homicides or crime rate in general. They were dropping anyway. Did have a big impact on suicide. Did have a big impact on mass shootings. And consequently, has had a dramatic impact on the national psyche. The, the mental, psychological, emotional... Um, trauma that Australians don't go through because we don't have this fear of gun violence, we don't have this fear of mass shootings, I would argue justifies uh, the the National Firearms Agreement implemented by the Howard government. And 90% of Australians agree with me, including both of our major political parties. And if I can give a nutshell that's even smaller than Cam's, um, Australia may have 99 problems, but guns ain't one. And when you were here for a couple of weeks, Ray, how did you feel, you and your family? Did you, I mean, you probably didn't notice the absence of guns in the time you were here, I imagine. 
no, but uh, we definitely picked up on the um, the lightness of the people, the cheerfulness, the um, I don't know. It was just a lot more relaxed. And again, every time Heather and I go to it, we go on a trip uh, because we've been to Europe and we've been to other places. Um, whenever we come back, we're like, we're not as uptight. And by the next, within 48 hours, we're back to the way we were. But but we do notice the change every time we go somewhere. And when we come back, we're mellow for a little while. And then within a few days, Heather's looking for those bullets. That's right. <laughs> and they're still hidden. All right. Okay, folks, um, I hope you learned something from that or found something in that interesting. In the next episode, we'll look at the United Kingdom. Uh, we'll probably look at Canada. And then in episode three or four, depending on how long it takes us to get through those two, we'll get to the United States, where I want to talk in particular about the role of the NRA and the history of the NRA, which I found uh, really fascinating.